0: KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo nerd podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with comic writer John Avina, here to promote his comic, Lucha Forever, on Kickstarter. Welcome, John.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. But uh outside of my introduction, who is John Avina in his own words?
1: So, I'm a dad, I'm a comic book writer, I work at a funeral home. So, I'm a guy that wears a lot of different hats. <laughs> Um, I'm also a wedding photographer, so doing stuff in the arts has always kind of been like a dream of mine. Um, And this is my first almost solo adventure where it's not like a group of students. Because I went to film school, so it's not like I'm bringing a bunch of friends in with me to do this. This is something I started writing on my own, found my collaborators, and was able to build out as a project.
0: Wow, you're wearing like three different hats there. So like you're a wedding photographer... We're at a funeral home, and you have your own comic book that you're writing and now publishing out for others to read. Like, how do they all correlate with each other if they even do? If you don't mind me asking,
1: yeah. So, uh, before the pandemic, I was just doing wedding photography, so that was like my just date. I would work weekends basically, and then during the week, I didn't have anything. And there's a place called the Anatomical Gift Association, and there where people donate their bodies to science. So they were looking for help and my mom was working there like kind of on and off cause she runs a funeral home but I had like no part of that. So she just kind of asked, she was like, Hey, like we need help if you want to do something during the week. So I started working there and then the pandemic hit. And when that hit, all the weddings kind of disappeared and people were passing from COVID. So they were getting overwhelmed they were working like the CDC doing stuff. So I just kind of fell face first into it. And I just, I've been doing it ever since. And I think the correlation between all those things is people. I like working with people. I like talking with people and that kind of thing. So wedding photography, you get to really meet someone, get to know them. And then at the end you're kind of done. It's like every weekend's like going to summer camp. Like I meet someone, we become friends for like a day. And then at the end you go home. And it's kind of like that with funerals, too. So you're helping them. They're grieving with you. They're talking with you. You kind of become friends. You're part of their family for the day or so. And then after that, they just kind of go on.
0: Oh, wow. You really are a people person. I mean, to engage with people on what is supposed to be the happiest day of their lives, as being a wedding photographer, and then what is arguably the worst day of their lives, uh, with working at a funeral home so yeah you kind of have to be a people person when you're dealing with stuff like that with you know the highest happiness uh, and then the lowest grief i should say that's weird but uh anyway let's get back to the kickstarter um what is lucha forever about
1: so lucha forever is the story of a dad who is a former pro wrestler but he gives it up to pursue a career in acting So he grew up on like a little like rancho, like a little ranch in Mexico and him and his dad would go to see like these big movies, with like these like larger than life actors. And that was always his dream. But because he worked like these ranch jobs and stuff with his dad, he got really big, like he got really bulky, really strong. So when the opportunity came up for him to wrestle, to earn more money, he did it. And there's a lot of parallels. Like he ended up falling face first into wrestling. Like he, it wasn't really his goal but he learned performance from it and he learned to like movement, speak with his body, take up a frame, all those kind of things that an actor would learn going to like acting classes or from studying abroad, he learned from being in the ring. So when he got to like the height of his popularities and he got tired of doing like the, like the wrestler versus the aliens and the wrestler versus the robot movies that are like pretty big in Mexico, especially like back in the day, he decided like, I'm going to take the money I've saved And me and my partner, we're gonna move to the US and we're gonna take like both sets of our families and this is what we're gonna do. And of course he gets here and that plan falls apart. He starts falling into like typecasting, where he's like gangster number three or he is like backup officer. So those roles that he was able to fulfill in Mexico, they don't travel with you. So now that he's here, it's all kind of falling apart and it's him trying to do whatever he can to maintain his family. And some of the things he's had to do is sell like his props. So his Cape, like you see on the cover, his gloves, his wrestling memorabilia, they're all gone. He sold them to like a local pawn shop to keep the family afloat. And all he has left is this mask. So then just to make it a comic, like make it more fun. Cause right now it just sounds like a really sad story about a guy failing. <laughs> Um, and he it start the comic starts right away with him like not getting this audition like it's not going well he knows that the director knows it and he leaves and as he's leaving you start to see like UFOs and things happening in the background so he is he ends up like walking out of this like bar and he sees like a full on sci-fi alien invasion happening he rushes home his family gets abducted he decides to put on his mask and wrestle with the alien because like with the mask on he's not the actor anymore he's back to being who he was before the wrestler he gets abducted right because aliens and stuff so he ends up on the spaceship and resting in the ship is like this elder alien god kind of like a green lantern ish thing and him and the alien connect and the alien tells him like my physical form is gone but my power is still what like moves this vessel he's like so if you free me he's like i'll connect like you'll be my avatar and together like we can get you guys out of here. And that's how the comic starts.
0: Wow. That's just where it starts.
1: Yeah. So then from there, it talks a lot about like parallels between Mexico then and Mexico kind of, or like the U S and stuff. Now um, the empire, like the aliens that invade, there's just tons of connections with them and like conquistadors and that whole colonialization type thing. So because that's not really something that as like a Mexican American or anything, that we're really taught about it's more of like yeah it happened brush it aside but the the fallout of that still felt after like generations so that's kind of what the story is going to talk about too it's like generational trauma like the dad can't really dive full into this acting thing because as the breadwinner he feels like he has this obligation to maintain it all and that's where the power thing comes in Like, he wears the mask. He could give the mask to somebody else so they can become the hero. But that relinquishing power thing, that's not what, like, machismo men do. That's not what we're allowed to do. Once we hit that position of power, like, it's our responsibility to maintain it. And that's why it's kind of like a double-edged sword for him. He's given the ability to now protect his family, but now he also has to protect everyone. And how do you balance, like, auditions with like an alien armada. So that's kind of the thing of it all.
0: Well, was there any difficulties for you and your collaborators uh translating this Mexican Latin phenomenon and even culture for American audiences?
1: Yeah, so my dad moved here from Mexico when he was about 5 years old and he didn't get um like a he didn't become a US citizen till I was like eight. So there was like that long period of time where he was able to kind of travel back and forth with like his parents. But then when he came here, he came here on a college like visa. But then he met my mom, they got married, the visa expired because you have to be in school when that happens. But he took on that role of a parent and as a provider. So when that happened like at any moment he could have been sent back and I I wouldn't have known him. So that kind of fear and understanding of like what my dad went through, I was able to translate into the comic and then my son's two, So I'm a newer dad. So like the fears I have of like, well, I'm not, I'm not a funeral director. Like I work at a funeral home, but that's not my career. And I like doing wedding photography, but as I saw through the pandemic that can be taken away. So I also went through like that kind of like, well, what's left if the ground gets pulled out from under me? And it was the story. It was like, at the end of it, I kept coming back to it because every fear I had, I could mirror in the story. So within the first arc of what we're planning to do, it's going to be the son ends up picking up a camera and he wants to document like what's going on with this, the whole alien invasion thing. No one's really talking, kind of like with the pandemic, no one's talking about like, the bigger cause of it all like what's happening what happens if it comes back in that the sun gets pulled into like this rift thing and sent to another planet and now the dad has to go get him and that planet's gonna mirror like early aztec mesoamerican like yeah like all that kind of stuff and even that the dad's uh so the dad sells like his memorabilia to that pawn shop the pawn shop ends up getting like partially obliterated by like the aliens, but his memorabilia gets sucked up into like the wormhole where the aliens escape from, but it ends up scattered throughout the universe. So there's like this myth in Mexico where uh, this god like Quetzalcoatl was supposed to come back the same day that Cortez showed up. And it was like one of those weird parallels where like this prophecy and a terrible event happened on the same day. And it was like the perfect storm of like, Bad things happening. So, when the dad arrives on the same planet where his son is, his items arrive there first. Kind of like how the the Aztecs thought their god was going to arrive. So do these people, because they had this poster that landed that showed this like larger than life, almost god looking person, like Circadian person, arriving there. So they took it as a prophecy. So when he arrives, all the hopes of these people now rest on this man that we know is an actor <laughs> but now he has to kind of work with them and build it up and save like help them to save themselves from the like conquistadors and stuff
0: so you're throwing in all of these myths legends and folklore uh mexican actually I should, I should say myths legends and folklore but how do you plan on translating that for an american audience or better yet make them recognizable for other mexican and latin people like oh i recognize this from that poster or i recognize that costume or their clothes that they're wearing or even how things are set up in the language that they speak and it's not the textbook stuff like they recognize it just as their own culture in these comics so how do you how are you planning on translating that for the audience
1: yeah so I want to kind of mirror what happens. So when people think like, oh, that's cool. If I can get someone to like look into the myth, the legends of that kind of thing, then that that's like my ideal. So a lot of the comics that write, like I've written or shorts that I've done all kind of deal with, because I'm Mexican. So I want to bring my whole ideology, my whole background with me when I do it. So with them, what we're going to do is we're just going to repeat events that have actually happened but do it as the the offenders of these events are going to seem alien because the events themselves seem alien to me. Like when I read it for the first time, like these things happened and like we're supposed to not be scarred from it, essentially. So when I'm showing it in the comic, people are going to be like, well, that's crazy. But if they look towards like any kind of history book or anything like that, you'll see that it all kind of parallels to each other. So like terrible things happen And then we're expected in, like, two generations to move on from it. Like, oh, we don't, that happened, but that's not now. When really we know, like, that carries on with us. That's what this book is going to be showing. That's why I did, like, over-the-top sci-fi adventure stuff. Because I want people to see it, but I don't want them to feel like I'm shoving a history book down their throat. I just want them to see it and be like, we're not that far off from where we were. So that's why, like, the fact that they can go to a planet that's still growing the way the Aztecs were at the time, that's what I want to show. It's like that what happened to these people could happen to other people if we're not staying vigilant.
0: Okay. So now you have this idea for the story, Lucia Forever, right? And you want to do a Kickstarter to help fund it, right? So how was the creative process for you pretty much from start to finish so you have this idea how did you go about writing it how did you go about uh searching for collaborators and and settling on those and then deciding to do a kickstarter
1: yeah so it actually started with a scene in my head and i didn't know what it was but it's basically it it's, it's um the hero's name is king midas when he's in his wrestling thing because midas everything touches the gold so it's kind of like joking about that because obviously this guy can't get anything right so it's him and his son sitting on top of a pyramid and it's that kind of alien environment where you see like celestial stars in the background and they're just they're on the alien planet but it's mirroring Mexico and the dad looks at the son he says you know when I talked to your grandpa about what he thought Mexico would be like if we were able to grow with it and he looks out in the distance and he puts his arm around his kid and he's like, "I think it would look something like this." So I had that scene and nothing else. So I was like, well, who's this guy and why do I want to write a story about like a wrestler and his kid? So I was like, obviously it's because I have my boy and there's probably something there. I was like, and it's, it has to do something with my dad, obviously. So like I just explored that for a little while, then I wrote it. and then I went online I started looking for artists. And I had worked with this one artist named Medicine, and he was introducing me to a bunch of, like, his friends. And this one guy, like, we just got to talking, and I told him about that scene, and he drew it out. He was like, oh, that's cool, like, with, like, a planet in the background, and, like, this robot army kind of coming at you. He's like, it's big, it's over the top. He's like, but when you narrow it down, it's the story of these two people. And I was like, yeah. So when I talked to him about it, he really understood it. And his name is Mozart and like me and him just kind of clicked right away and then there's this guy named Miguel who we we were taking the same like writing class at the same time but he's like an artist like he did the cover so when me and him got to talking he was like oh I see it now like the mask and this and like the cape in the background and I ended up building like an all Latin team without really setting out to do that but I think it helped because we all had the same understanding of what this story was gonna be. And we had the same color palette and all that stuff kind of together. So like the gold and the teals and the reds, I was like, it's very Aztec-y. And then we just modernized it to like, okay, well, if I was a company and I wanted to like celebrate like a cultural day, how would I like take from that? And then that's kind of how we started building out the costumes and the designs and all those things. And then to get the money for it, all of it up till now has been out of pocket. So me paying for the pages for the cover for the art, it's just been at my expense. So like working overtime, taking more weddings, all that stuff that was happening so that I can have everything ready for the Kickstarter, because I didn't want to go into it needing to borrow money, because then that makes the Kickstarter cost higher. So right now I'm doing it to where we can finish the book. I'm not looking to get paid for what I had already done. I just want to finish issue one so that way we can shop it around to like Image Comics, Dark Horse, or even if those don't work because those companies are so big, so busy. And mine is such a niche story of like family and like this hybrid Mexican culture thing that it might not be for everyone. So if I have to self-publish it, there's plenty of places around me where I can like take them to because I need to get the story out. That's like my primary goal so however i can do that that's what the plan is going to be
0: cool yeah i mean from what i'm hearing you definitely had a better time better luck searching for collaborators and you know your character creation and you know fortunate enough to have the money or earn the money i should say to be able to create the comic and finish it and then uh uh, publish it on kickstarter and you know put it out there into the world but with everything that you've learned so far whether it be with Lucia Forever or with anything else working in media and art and what have you, uh, what advice would you be willing to offer to someone else you wish someone would have told you when you first started?
1: Know your story in and out. Like, not just, well, it's a story, but because I, I get this now from people because I'm on, like, Twitter promoting, doing that stuff, and it's, it's always the same kind of, like, well, it's a story of revenge. Or is the sort of like an evil Superman? But why is, like, I'm more interested in, like, the characterization of a person than just the thematics of it. So for me, the way I approached it and the reason why I kind of got lucky was with my collaborators, I needed them to know the story as well as I did. Because if they had a hiccup or a question, that's where you kind of fall into the trouble of, well, the artist is going to leave and I, I talk, I bug writers on Twitter, like, all the time, and there's one writer named Colin Bunn, and he writes a lot of really great, like, horror stories and stuff, but he's been really nice in answering my messages, and, like, responding, because if you, comic book writers are nerds, so if you want to talk to them, just nerd out with them, don't nerd out at them, because you're going to scare them, but nerd out with them, like, hey, like, I love comics too, this is what I'm making because everyone wants to read something great. And it doesn't matter who it comes from, if it's, if it's good and it draws you right away, that's what they're gonna see. So I was bothering him about it. And he told me, he was like, if you love it, he's like, other people will see that you love it. So I made sure that my artists understood like, this is what we're going for, this is the bigger story of it all. Some of them are parents, some of them are not. But they understood that relationship of what is the cost of being a parent? Like, do you give up the art side for the stability? Or is that sending a bad message to your kid of like, find a nine to five, work it, build a family, play it safe. So talking to them about it, they're artists. So they know like that playing it safe isn't going to work out. So really take the time to build out your relationships because it's so easy to get excited, write a script, hand it to someone, and then never hear from them because all they have is a piece of paper. They don't have that connection. So really just talk to them, but a paid artist is a happy artist. So if you have to put a little bit down per page, they'll keep coming back because that stability of work is what's gonna keep them going. So like while I'm doing this one, Mozart has like four or five pages of scripts ahead while I'm like fixing dialogue and punching stuff up just so I can have him working so I can keep him and his family like going while I work on the next thing and I figure out what I might've messed up or what I didn't see coming. Cause stories will unravel themselves to you while you're doing it. So something I plan for like, oh, okay, this reveal will happen on issue three. And then as I'm working through issue three, I was like, well, if I move it earlier, I have this other payoff I can do. Well, let's do that. And I'm shifting things, but I have to keep him working. Cause an artist does, they don't want to sit. They want to create, they want to build just like I do. So keep your artists fed, keep them happy, but make sure that they feel like they're your partner in this. They're not just like, I hired an artist, he's here. Like, I know Mozart, I know his family now. I know Miguel's family and our colorist, his name is uh, Julio Santos. He's a real shy kind of private guy. But when we were doing the Kickstarter, I kept reaching out, asking him like, hey, just give me like a little bio about you. Like, who are you? Like, what brought you into comics? And I kind of got him to open up. And when that happened now, every time I post anything, he's like the first person to like it and comment it because he feels like he's part of the club. So build your club and then build it out to the world. So build your team and then take that story and then build it out. And don't be so protective of it because that's a lot of things I see where someone's like, well, it's my vision. Um, If you look at the comic, the sun's got all these cool tattoos I didn't tell the artist what tattoos to give him. The artist put himself on the kid and gave him these tattoos that meant something to him. And I I was like, yeah, that's perfect. I was like, his, the son is an amalgamation of all of us. And if that's what you see with him, then I'm not going to step in your way. Like that's your mark on this comic. And that's great. Like, cause we're a team and we built this out together. And even though like I had that vision of two people on top of a pyramid, they saw it too and that's when the you know you got a team that's when you got the magic
0: wow there's that people person again that's really your thing isn't it
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i just like storytelling i like comics and i like i like making sure people understand like on the cover of this it's really easy to see it as like it's wrestlers and it's aliens and that's awesome and at the action of it that's what it is it's because i want to be entertained too i don't want just like pages of dialogues where it's just heartbreaking decisions it's not going to be Sophie's choice on every page because I like seeing a guy punch through a spaceship like that's just fun yeah and then I love writing one-liners and writing with wrestlers it's fantastic there's a guy that has bullhorns and he's charging at him he's like let's see if you get my point point." and then he grabs him and he's like well let's take this situation by the horns then and he throws him down I'm like hey I'm writing Spider-Man dialogue and I love it
0: yeah no I totally get it but, uh, throughout this whole process, John, not even just Lucha forever, right? It can be, um, just outside of Lucha. It can be your family life. It can be, um, spouse, kids, bills, the house, the car, you know, you know, your friendships and coworkers and the people that you deal with every single day. And, you know, even just trying to maintain time or find time, I should say, for yourself. Right? So... Do you or did you ever get overwhelmed? Does it ever become too much? And how do you typically manage your mental well-being when it does become too much?
1: You will drop a ball. Like, it's it's going to happen. The moment you start juggling your project, your project is the one thing you can't let go of because you won't pick it back up. It's the easiest um, way to let go of and move on with your life because it, it it'll nag at you. But you can fulfill that with something else, with video games, with reading instead of writing. It's very easy to spiral out with it. So that's the one thing I can't let go of. And my kid, right? Like, I, you can't, those two have to be in hand. I will say I have missed countless cousins' birthdays. I've missed family events. I've gone from working a wedding on Friday to going to a family wedding on Saturday and working another wedding on Sunday. And then working Monday through Friday that next week at the funeral home. But you make time for the things you want to do. And for me, a lot of that has been pushing away me time, reading, watching movies that I want to see. Like I just saw Thor, uh, the, the newer one, like maybe a week or so ago.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen it. I just don't have the time.
1: Yeah, and that's pretty much how I felt. I was like, I could make time to see this. Or I could write and get ahead of my schedule. So you will learn like to make the sacrifices of things. And that's a good point for like, if you're going to do that with like a Kickstarter, don't rely on Facebook friends for any of it. Cause they will donate a portion of it. But a lot of them are going to be like, you didn't make it to my birthday. I haven't forgotten. You won't get a share, you won't get a like, they won't retweet it or anything like that because you had to sacrifice. They just see it as you pick this over me, not knowing like I pick this because this is the future of it all. And if I can make this work, I can bring you with me into it. Like this could be our thing. Like I write comics and you can come with me to conventions. I write comics and like you can be a part of it. Like I will draw you into it if you feel that I'm neglecting you because I'm I'm not intending to, but I only have two hands and I have all these things to carry. And if you can't help, like if you can't see that, it's okay to let balls drop. <laughs> it That's a, a thing that I learned doing this is you love your friends, but if they can't see you struggling and they can only see, well, he's not helping me with my load then we reach that impasse and maybe that's that's the end of our chapter for it
0: yeah it sucks when you have to drop people or you're the one that gets dropped or you can't go to this and you can't do that or hang out like you used to it's just you found something that makes you happy and it gives you purpose and that you can do without waiting on anyone else hopefully you're not waiting on anyone else to you know pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue in your life and you know, luckily you found yours, I found mine, hopefully, you know, listeners and viewers have found theirs as well. But um, my last question for you, John, is what is your idea of success? I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we are considered failures or we consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote success?
1: So for me, failure is giving up. Failure isn't trying and stumbling. Failure is trying stumbling and then walking away. That's the failure of it. So the success is the, you continue, you push on. If you can't, if I can't tell Lucha forever, if the Kickstarter doesn't make its goal, I'm going to make it as a series of shorts. Like I'm going to take the 32 pages and we're going to start releasing it in little six page bundles of just six page like adventures. In the first page, it'll just be like, here's his backstory. And then every page after that is a mission or quest or something. And that to me would be success is once the story's out there and I have a community with it that cares about it, that's to me. It's like it's being happy and my team being happy, then I can feel like I made it and I can sleep at night.
0: I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the dream, right is you know uh putting out and publishing a complete work in whatever format you can. So yeah, this is the Kickstarter. If the Kickstarter doesn't work out, you do it's a short story, you know I mean it it'll work out definitely well um but yeah, just putting it out there. That's what I've been hearing a lot lately. It's just honestly just getting it done and people reading, consuming, obsessing <laughs> over, uh, over their work and yeah, just putting it out there and getting it done. And I think that, I mean, other than starting, just having it done and in, in your hands and something to show people is a, su- a success in itself. But, um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on about Lucha Forever John as a whole that I may have missed? Maybe some rewards for uh, potential backers or anything else?
1: Yeah, so if the Kickstarter does does its job and we get it done, I'm hoping to have it done and printed and in people's like mailboxes and stuff by February. And then after that, in March, there's a convention here in Chicago called C2E2, and it's a pretty big one. So I'm hoping to get a table there and then sell it show it off to people let them build that community that i'm talking about and one of the coolest things about the Kickstarter is we're actually making the mask and we're gonna make a bunch of them so if people want to wear it like they can buy their own they can feel like the hero at home they'll have access to it and we have a lot of really cool perks like we just made trading cards that look like old vintage baseball cards with all the different wrestlers so like the tiers are really kind of wacky and creative on what we're offering, just because we want people to feel like there's variety because the whole story is variety if you want emotional stuff that's there if you want just action it's there. So we're, we let people have that with the tiers and the Kickstarter too, and if people can't donate sharing goes a long way because it'll find its audience that way too.
0: So real quick, could you um, just explain or talk about some of these tiers that you offer here on the page for potential backers?
1: Yeah, patches. We have two different ones. Oh, I'm wearing the hat. (laughs) Yeah. So we have hats. We got the t-shirt or we got the hats. We got the patches. Uh, We got uh, an exclusive poster that's just for Kickstarter. We have the main cover issue poster. And then we have a limited design poster that's, like, kind of a Rosie the Riveter vibe about joining, like, their kind of, like, space force to fight back against the aliens. And that's one of the tiers, too. So that gets you, like, the hat, the patches, all this stuff so that way you can represent the comic in a way that, like, it won't say Lucha forever, but you'll know. And that's kind of building that club.
0: A mask would be really, really cool. I've never heard it as a reward before, That's really cool.
1: I'll send you one for doing this i appreciate it
0: yeah yeah yeah. no problem no problem and uh the trading cards more and more people are doing that too um i think a holograph one would be really really cool and then we can trade them but like it's it's um um like every couple of them are holograms and not um holographic not holograms that'd be pretty cool too every couple of my holographic and then yeah. we trade them as we go i think that'd be pretty cool um, Alright, well, again, I want to thank the comic writer John Avina for joining us here today to promote his comic, Lucifer Ever, currently on Kickstarter. I highly recommend our listeners to give Lucifer Ever a look, share, and back the Kickstarter if they can. All of John's socials will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link for those who are interested. Again, I am KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerd podcast. Thank you.
1: Thank you.